Well, welcome here to Centennial Park. <laughs> the Erickson Covenant Church. Hey, we're continuing on with our Father's, our Family Matters series here on Father's Day. And I do want to wish a happy Father's Day to, to fathers. I want you to know, I already talked to a number of people this morning, where Father's Day is a mixed experience. So we want to celebrate fathers. We want to celebrate those of you who have fathered others, those of you who have fathered others who were your children. Thank you for doing that. And those of you who fathered others who were not your children. People from your spiritual family, sometimes people from your extended family. We celebrate you today and a happy, happy Father's Day to you. But we also recognize there are those who today are, are, are mourning perhaps the loss of a father or the loss of a father who was there or a loss of a father who never was there. And so we also are aware of that. And today as we reflect on God as our father, we're reminded, I think all of us, that our, our true and ultimate father is God himself. And we... Uh, this morning as I was praying, I thought, it's kind of weird to wish God a happy Father's Day. <laughs> but there was a sense within me as we focus today that really thanked the Father for his, his love for us. And as we begin, we celebrate a lot of things about the ideal Father. But one of them I think we get shortchanged on. And I just want to, uh, you know, I want to take the opportunity this to correct it. Because I think we're a little shortchanged in the whole area of humor. Do you know there's a whole category of humor called dad jokes? <laughs> And are they good jokes? Oh, I, I beg to differ. And so today I just want to, you know, bring out some of this. I want to kind of like try to bend the tree back the other way, try to redeem some of the dad jokes. So I hope you're ready to laugh your head off. You all know that I'm a reader, right? I've been, I read lots. I've been reading a book on anti-gravity, but I had to stop because I couldn't put it down. <laughs> Now, some of you may have heard this one, but I, but I love it. Why did the Clydesdale give a glass of water to the pony? Because he was a little horse, of course. <laughs> oh, man. Did you, did, you know, did you know that the first French fries were not cooked in France? They were cooked in Greece. <laughs> If you saw a robbery at an Apple store, does that make you an eyewitness? <laughs> I, I thought that one was, yeah. You know, whenever, whenever I'm at Save on Foods and Gary asks me if I want my milk in a bag, I always say to him, no, I'd like to leave it in the carton, thanks. <laughs> Did you, oh man, somebody just caught it back there. Is that Adrian? Why do chicken coops only have two doors? Because if they'd had four, they'd be called chicken sedans. <laughs> what, what do you call a factory that only makes passable products? A satisfactory. Uh, <laughs> now, I don't know if you guys do this, but once, time, once upon a time, I worked at a calendar factory. But they, they fired me for taking a few days off. <laughs> but that was, that was nothing like the Invisible Man who went for a job interview and they offered him a job, but the more and more he thought about it, he just, he turned it down because he, he just couldn't see himself doing it. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Keith. I told this one to a few people this week. I said, a three-legged dog walked into a bar. You know what he said? Looking for the man who shot my paw. Okay, only two, only two more. I'm only familiar with 25 letters in the English alphabet. I have never known why. 
And then the last one, you're doing well, you're doing well. I think I'm redeeming the dad joke here. I feel good about this. Some people say I'm not. What's the best part about living in Switzerland? I don't know, but the flag is a big plus. That one should have got a lot more laughter. It should have got a lot more laughter. You know, <laughs> I love making people laugh right now. I don't know. I, I was kind of, I'm trying to uncover a little bit of the, the psychology behind the dad joke. I think it's the act of telling that gives the dad so much pleasure. <laughs> it may be the groan that comes with it too. I, 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 I'm not sure. Listen, lately I've been thinking a lot about favor. Specifically, the idea of living under the favor of God, our father. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like in our own lives to live under the favor of God? And, and then how does that extend to the way that we father others, our own children or the children in our spiritual family? How, how, does, that, how does that work? How does the favor of the father extend, extend to others? And in a nutshell, this is what I want you to hear today. That the highest calling of any earthly father, be it biological or adoptive or spiritual, that the highest calling of any earthly father is to embody and to convey the favor of our heavenly father. I'm going to say that again because it's kind of central to, to what I want to unpack a little bit. That the highest calling of any earthly father is to embody and convey the favor of our heavenly father. So that how we live, how we work, um, how, we, how we love, how we correct and discipline, how we lead, all of that embodies. In other words, it makes real in flesh and blood our Father's favor for these kids, be they biological, adoptive, or our spiritual kids. That these children in our spiritual family, some of them who have dads, some of them who don't have dads, some of them who've had difficulty with their dads, some of you estranged from your own fathers. That all the children in our spiritual family, they need men who will reveal the father's favor to them and for them. They need those kinds of fathers in their lives. And I think how we do that actually helps or hinders people from experiencing God's favor in their lives. Now, when I say the word favor, I don't mean favoritism. Favoritism is an ugly word, isn't it? We've seen that played out in people's lives. Actually, if you read through some of the Old Testament stories, you really get a first, uh, first row seat, front row seat, on uh, uh, what favoritism looks like and how ugly it really can be. Favoritism is ugly, isn't it? It's mean and it's destructive. Whereas favor is something beautiful and good and life-giving. God's favor for us, God's favor is not that kind of ugly favoritism that pits one kid against another so that they compete for the affection of their father. Rather, the favor of the father is this extravagant favor that actually pulls all of God's kids together. Well, how does that happen? Jesus, the truly favored son, shares his father's favor with all the rest of God's kids. And then we, in turn, share it with others. It's, there's like a, a cascading effect that goes from the father to Jesus and then to us by, by the gift of the Holy Spirit and then through us to others, which we all can experience. 
But first, let's start with Jesus. You know, when Jesus was growing up, there was this little statement that covered a lot of things, a lot of years. A statement that when Jesus, after the temple experience, had returned with his father and his mother, Mary and Joseph, that it says he was obedient to them and that he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. Favor was a theme of Jesus' early life. He grew up in a Yahweh-worshipping home under the caring guidance of Mary and Joseph. We don't know much about those years because not a lot is said, but, but we can safely assume that these hidden years were, were really, they looked much like the regular daily life of other young Jewish men working hard, learning, learning the Torah, uh, learning God's ways and living those out in, this, in the family practice and, and, and working hard for six days, resting on the seventh, and, and all the while learning and being shaped by the story of God's people, by His favor for them and how that has shaped their history. Favor was seen in Jesus' regular life through the dailiness of His regular life as He was nurtured, as He grew, as He was loved, and as He learned all alongside his siblings in the context of this community, this, this covenant community life. But favor was also a theme that we see expressed in the ministry of Jesus, and it got a little more explicit in the, in the two occasions. I've got a huge spider on me. Okay. I didn't scream. <laughs> on, on two special occasions, uh, <laughs> you can tell we're in a park, not at the church building, right? Okay. On two special occasions, uh, we hear God the Father express his favor for his son. And, and Bill read those for us a little earlier. First, at Jesus' baptism, right, uh, Jesus had come through um, and it was just beginning to launch into ministry. And he comes to John to be baptized. And the heavens open and the Father speaks and says, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. It's, what a way to start. What an affirmation, what a favor, uh, a demonstration of God's favor upon him. And then a little later, during a special moment, up on a mountain, God the Father again pulled back the curtain and revealed Jesus in all of his glory in an event that's called the transfiguration because Jesus was transfigured before them. And again, we hear the Father's favor, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And then he adds this little bit at the end, listen to him. Listen to him. Both times we hear the Father's favor for Jesus, the beloved Son. He's well pleased with them. And then this final command at the end to listen to him. And that's exactly what we do. We listen to Jesus. We look at Jesus. We focus on Jesus. We, we begin to learn from him. We see how Jesus, the favored Son of the Father, lives in perfect obedience to, to God and, and fulfills all that God had wanted and desired for his people and ultimately for the world, that Jesus, the favored Son of God, reveals God the Father perfectly to us. So that he's able to say that if you've seen Jesus, you've actually seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. It's actually a wonderful study, just a little side note. It's a wonderful study to take the Gospel of John, the fourth story in the New Testament about Jesus, and just read it through the lens of the Father and the Son relationship. I just read it and think about what is this telling us about the relationship between the Father and the Son. It's filled with all this beautiful description and the intensity and depth of relationship that the Father has with the Son. What you see is, is tremendous favor that the Father has for Jesus. 
But here's where it gets super cool. This is what I want us to hear today. The father of the favor for the, the, the favor of the father, well, a little bit of a tongue twister. The favor of the father for the son extends to us. I mean, that's the good news about Jesus, that the favor of the father for Jesus is now extended, hold, held out, given to us, all of us. Anyone who's willing to trust in Jesus gets in on his favored status as though the Father's favor just kind of spills out on everyone that gets near to Jesus. It's like the spray park, you know? If Jesus is standing under the spray park and that's the Father's favor and you go over there and stand beside Jesus, guess what? You're going to get wet. The favor of the Father for Jesus spills out on us. Listen to what Jesus himself said. He was praying to his father about his followers, including us. He he deliberately extends the prayer to us. He's praying to his father about his followers. And this is what he says. He says, I have made you, that's the father he's talking about. I have made you known to them. He did that through his healing, through his preaching, through his teaching, through his life, his example. I have made you, father, known to them. And will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Let's just unpack that just for a moment. Jesus says, I've made you known to them so that the love you have for me may be in them. That captures the Father's favor, the love that the Father has for the Son, this eternal relationship that goes back before time, before at the root of everything is the love of the Father and the Son existing for all time, before all time, will continue for all time, that this beautiful, unimaginable, amazing love of Father and Son, Jesus is saying that His purpose in making and giving and and showing the Father to us is so that we could get in on the Father's love just the same as he receives the Father's love. That is an incredible fact. I mean, that is good news beyond imagination. That if we could just capture that and begin to meditate on that, let that shape our hearts and lives, that that Jesus reveals God to us so that we can get in on the Father's love for him. That that's what he's all about. That's amazing. It's life-changing. But it goes on from there, where Jesus says, how will he do that? How will he... Um, you know, help us get in on the Father's love for him. He says, Jesus says, not only will the Father's love be in us, Jesus said, but that he himself would be in us. And he was talking about the gift that the Father would give us, the gift of the Holy Spirit who would come and dwell in us. And wherever the Holy Spirit is, the Father and the Son are also present. It's kind of some deep theology, but it, it speaks to this amazing, somewhat mystical and mysterious, but real, true, relevant happening now experience of the the father and the son and the holy spirit dwelling within us where we ourselves become temples living temples of god so that every person knows the favor and the love of the father through jesus through this gift of the holy spirit that we have the favored and beloved son of god living right in us with us again that's transformative truth If we will reflect on that, take that in, meditate on it, it will change our lives. It's worth a lifetime of worship, of reflection, of thanksgiving, of praise and wonder that Jesus would actually share 
the Father's favor with us. There's no sense of him trying to, you know, keep it tight or that he can't share it around or maybe he'd resent us because we're getting a little too much of the Father's attention. There's none of that. Jesus says, I want to share. I want, I, want, I want them to experience the love you have for me. In fact, I want them. I'll be right there. Receiving the Father's love right within them so that we all are in on This truth will change our lives. Well, how do we respond to that? Do we even know what to say or what to do with that? As we look a little further in the New Testament, we get something of an answer. The Apostle Paul, this great church planter who wrote a lot of the New Testament, in his letter to these Christians in Galatia, he said, he really told us what happened when Jesus came and then included us in the Father's favor. Listen to this. So after a little bit of summary, after all the years of waiting and planning and preparing, uh, God had worked through the family of Abraham through all these generations. There came a moment, a time, when God finally unleashed his plan. I pick it up in verse 4 of Galatians 4. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Now, the word sonship is a weird word. And in my word document, it puts a little red squiggly line on it. It's not the only story, not the only word in the Bible that gets a squiggly line. But this, I just want to explain something quick. Sons is used here in a lot of translations on purpose because the, Paul was deliberately using a connection between Jesus the Son and us getting in on sonship. And it was, a, it was not a male sonship. It was a male-female sonship. And it, it's, it's expressing something that you, you do lose a little bit if you just say children because he's trying to link it with the fact that, we've, that there's Jesus the Son, but as you'll see, we get in on his sonness, his sonship. So we might receive adoption to sonship because you, male-female, you are his sons. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. I want you to follow the train of thought here really quick. Jesus came, and through him, he enabled our adoption. It's like he sponsored us into the family of the Father. And because of that, then, the Father, because of what Jesus has done, the Father gives us the same spirit, the spirit of his son, to be within us so that we can call him Abba. We can refer to God, pray to God, talk to God the same way Jesus does. Wow, that is mind-boggling. But then, more than that, because we're no longer slaves but children, he said, we're also heirs. We're not just at the table but we're actually given the status of one who receives inheritance. The status of Jesus himself. That now the Father's favor extends to us so that we ourselves can hear him say, you are my beloved child. I'm well pleased with you. Because as he speaks to Jesus, he now speaks to us. And as Jesus speaks to him, we now speak in return. We get to talk to the Father just like Jesus did by calling him Abba. This word that is both reverent and intimate. Talking to the Father the way Jesus did. And we live as heirs. We get in on the same rights and responsibilities of being a child of God. The rights where we have access to the Father. We have life. We have forgiveness. We have freedom. We could go on and on and talk about all those rights and privileges, you could say. But, but also responsibilities. 
responsibility to walk in his ways, to, to walk by the Spirit, to share his love and life with others, to be his kid everywhere we go, to share his favor with others. This is what I've been reflecting a lot on lately. What kind of difference would it make in your life and in my life and the lives of others if they really lived under a belief or a trust in God's favor? In the way that we wouldn't live with shame. It wouldn't be about competition because it'd be about belonging. There wouldn't be fear, but rather there would be courage. And we would no longer be anxiously clamoring for things that would somehow give us security because we would be settled as heirs in Christ. And now right to the point as I speak specifically to the men among us, be you a biological or adoptive father, or be you a, a father within our larger spiritual family, it strikes me that being a father now means in some way that we follow the example of Jesus himself, that we, living under the favor of God, which Jesus has shared with us, now we, through our actions, through our words, through our example, we reveal God to the sons and daughters in our lives, that we show them God's favor by sharing his favor with us, with them. The highest calling of any earthly father is to embody and to convey the favor of our heavenly father. Well, I know I've said this a few times, but I want to underscore it. The first question I have about that is, who are our kids? I know the quick answer for many of you. If I were to ask you the question, who are your kids? You'd be able to tell me their names and if they're married or not or where they live. And that's all true. They're your kids. You've got to take care of them. You've got to keep expressing the Father's favor for them and living into their lives. You've got to do that. But the challenge for us, we've talked a lot in this Family Matters series, is to extend that and begin to recognize we've got other kids. We as a church family have other kids, particularly kids who find themselves fatherless. We've got to broaden our horizons for those of us who maybe don't have biological or adoptive kids to begin to say, oh wow, I can be a father to others. I can be a godly man who living under the favor of God expresses that favor for them. So that we as a spiritual family recognize that we've got kids. Some of them are even old. Some of them might even be older than you. But somehow in the spiritual family, we can be fathers to others to reveal the favor of the Father for them. We've got kids who need fathers. We've got godly men who need to be fathering them appropriately in ways that are right for the relationship, but ways that show the favor of God for them so that we can then embody, live out, make real in flesh and blood God's favor. And I was thinking about just how do we follow the Father's example? And I'm, I'm coming to a close here, but to just very quickly say, you know, I was thinking about the words of the Father for Jesus, and I was thinking about how does that, like how would I express that to my own sons, or how would I, how would I think about our spiritual family? And I think one of them is, is truly being people who will show unconditional love, who will say in our words, you are loved, like you are valued. You are a person made in the image of God and the Father loves you. And to speak that into their lives in, in, in ways that, that build them up, calling them beloved, not in creepy ways because that might be weird, but in ways that show that people have value and dignity, that God has a call in their lives, a purpose for their lives, that, that they, can, they can grow up knowing the Father's 
love for them. And we can treat them that way. We can call that out publicly. We can make that known to others. There's a sense when the Father speaks from heaven into the life and over the life of Jesus, there's a real sense of pride there. Where he's, he's saying publicly in front of all of his people, in front of all the world, this is my kid and I love him. And I think our kids, our spiritual kids, our biological kids, our adopted kids, they need people who will say to the world around them, this guy is awesome. This woman is amazing. This girl is loved. Who champion who they are under God. Speaking the truth about who they are in Christ. And the fact that the father said, I'm well pleased. I love that. You know, so many kids. So many of you, you've you've already lived decades and you still struggle with this. Have been raised trying to please a dad. Trying to please an uncle. Trying to please someone in your life. And doing things that are, that are designed to somehow get attention. Or, or somehow foster some level of acceptance with a person in your life. And I love the way the Father says, I'm well pleased with him. And I think in our own lives, it doesn't mean our kids are perfect. We're not perfect. But our kids, spiritual, biological, and adoptive, need fathers who will say, I'm well pleased with you. You don't need to dance around. You don't need to wonder if you're loved. You don't need to try to do things to earn my affection. You are loved. I am well pleased with you. Where they can stand tall and know that they are loved and accepted by their Father. By their Heavenly Father and by us as fathers in their lives. And then third, I think it means that we as men need to model lives as sons and heirs of the Father himself. To live that example. The way that Jesus lived his relationship with his father out into practical relationships. We ourselves need to do that. We need to demonstrate in our own lives. Not only in the lives of our kids of course. And our lives of our spiritual family. But others out there that we are sons and heirs. That we have rights and privileges. Man I got access to God like you wouldn't believe. I can talk to him anytime. People often ask me as a pastor. Do you have better access to God? What's the answer to that? Absolutely not. In fact, I know a few of us pastors that have worse access. There's no difference. Kids have access to the Father. And so we live in that, in the rights and privileges of sons. I'm speaking now to to men. We live that out. We we bask in it. We reflect on it. we We let the truth of God's love for us reshape our hearts and minds. So that it flows out from us to others. But then we also demonstrate what it means to be part of the family. What it means to be under the Father's favor. That there's also responsibility to be obedient. To serve. To love with sacrifice. To lay down our life for one another. To be faithful in marriage or in relationships. To give and to serve. To focus our lives and our priorities on the kingdom of our Father. And not the kingdom of, of some you know, truncated view of life that the world wants to sell us. So we live out our rights and privileges, but we live out our responsibilities as a model for the children in that largest category, the children in our lives. As we close today, I want to pray a prayer of blessing. Truth is, a lot of us here today even have never really, you might be uh, far older than I or younger, but some of us We've struggled, and even on a Father's Day, we're reminded of 
failures of our own fathers or the benefits and the goodness of our fathers. And we both celebrate and we struggle. And today as we finish, I want to offer a blessing to you. A blessing and a prayer, particularly to those of us who have never received a blessing from their father. Who have never been told you're loved. Have never been shown the father's favor. And I'm thankful today that I have been by my own father who is here today. And I'm very glad my mom and dad are here. Yep. And I'm glad to have Father's Day with my dad. And we celebrate that. And, and I know what it's like to live under the blessing of a father who, who truly loves God and loves me, loves, loves you. But some of us haven't. I want to receive, I want you to receive this blessing today, all of us, but particularly those of us who, for whatever reason, our fathers either have never shown us favor, our fathers don't know the father's favor themselves. I want to offer this blessing to you as we close, and then I'll close in prayer. So I, I invite you to receive this blessing today. In Jesus' name, can I invite you to open your hands if you would like to receive this? In Jesus' name, until you receive this blessing from your own father, receive these words. I bless you as a child. A child not only of your earthly parents, but of your heavenly Father. I bless you with the deep understanding that you were created in God's image to reflect His glory in the world. I bless you with the joy of knowing that you are loved by God, affirmed by Him, to be strong in the strength of the Lord with courage that comes from placing your trust in Him. I bless you with the confidence that you have a purpose, a calling, and spiritual gifts. I bless you in your personhood. God has known you even before your birth and loves you as his own. May you delight in the word of God. May you meditate on it day and night so that you will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. May God protect you and your family, or should God grant your family to come. May his face shine down on you. I bless you with the courage to obey God's call, to know you are blessed so that you can extend blessing and favor to others. And lastly, I anoint your spiritual gifts, your natural talents, and your acquired skills to be used for God's glory. Amen. Father, we are so thankful that you have shown us ultimate favor in giving us the gift of your Son, of making it possible for us to get in on your favor. That is an astonishing, overwhelming, transforming truth. And I pray that that would sink into us today by your Holy Spirit, that each one of us today would walk lighter in our step because we live under your favor. And that we would take up the call, particularly today, men and fathers, take up the call to embody your favor for us, to embody that favor for others. That more men and women, boys and girls, children and babies would grow up knowing the love of the Father who has done everything possible for us to experience his favor and to live life under his care. We thank you and praise you for being our good father today for loving us with an everlasting love and for making it possible for us to experience it together. We bless you and thank you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.